California, as in many states, you can remember each political season by whatever was the biggest fight over a state ballot proposition. Now, without going too deep into how our process works, it's just not all that hard to get a measure on the ballot. Basically, all you need is a cause, a proposed law, enough signatures, and you've got yourself a space on a ridiculously long ballot. I actually have my ballot right here. I, I haven't opened it yet. I, I haven't even voted. Uh, Tom, do you mind? Oh, please. This is, this is exciting. Now, I can't see you right now, Corey, but I'm imagining that you've pulled this ballot out and a big roll has comically unfurled out of your doorway into your front door. Yeah, it's a hefty ballot, to say the least. There's a lot here, not to mention that little presidential race, too. Now, I grew up in California, and there was always talk of famous measures like Ghosts of Christmas Past. There's Prop 13 in 1979, which had permanent consequences for property tax revenue. Uh, Prop 8 in 2008, that banned gay marriage. Tolerance as a gospel principle means love and forgiveness of one another, not tolerating transgression. Uh, Prop 19, that was a fun one. Uh, in 2010, it was a early stab at legalizing pot. Did not pass. Let's be honest. The war against marijuana has failed. Vote yes on Proposition 19. And the outcomes of these ballot measures help you stare deep into the soul of the Golden State. In 2016, the first general election after I moved here, voters approved a ban on the distribution of plastic bags at grocery stores, but rejected a mandate for adult film actors to use condoms. So no plastic, no latex, I guess. Yeah, plastic straws TBD. This year, the measure everyone is talking about is Prop 22. That's the one about gig workers in the state of California, and specifically ones who are drivers for app-based companies like Uber and Lyft and DoorDash. Yeah, I have it right here. It's on my ballot. Prop 22. It exempts app-based transportation and delivery companies from providing employee benefits to certain drivers. Very specific. The measure was pushed forward by the companies themselves, mostly Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and Instacart. It seeks to overturn a recently passed state law that said the people who drive and deliver for these companies are full-time employees. And as such, they should be entitled to the benefits and protections of employees. Things like minimum wage, healthcare, family leave. Prop 22 would allow the companies to reclassify their workers as something where you could basically call them contractors with benefits. Uh, see, on Tinder, someone who's looking for a contractors with benefits deal, that is always a huge red flag. You know, someone always gets hurt in the end. But on this episode of the Informations 411, we talk to people on all sides of the fight. I'm Corey Weinberg, a reporter for The Information. And I'm Tom Dotan, also a reporter at The Information. The fight over this measure has now become the most expensive battle over a ballot measure in the history of the state. I'm talking more than $200 million that has been poured into campaigns supporting or opposing the measure. Lyft started as a new way to earn a little extra, open and available to people from all walks of life. That flexibility gives drivers the independence other jobs can't offer. Prop 22 will give them that and more. Now, the vast majority, by a 10 to 1 margin, of that money is from tech companies. They've now outspent what Chevron spent 15 years ago to fight a new oil tax, or what California casinos spend to avoid gambling restrictions. And we talked to drivers who are loudly supporting the measure. I started looking into Prop 22 as a driver. 
And I was like, okay, this is not good. As well as CEOs of app companies who say Prop 22 is not the way forward. The future is not the gig economy as badly as these companies want it to be. And we explore with our own Uber and Lyft reporter extraordinaire, Amir Afradi, why this matters so much to the company. Everything is at stake. This is the most uh, important moment in their lives. To understand how we got to a point where Uber and Lyft's entire labor model might be upended, let's fire up the information.com's Wayback Machine. Let's look specifically at April 2017. These were headier days. Travis Kalanick was still the CEO of Uber, and Mookie Betts was still on the Red Sox. Facebook Marketplace was flooded with people trying to get rid of their Snapchat spectacles. And more relevantly, our colleague Amir uh, was breaking some news about Uber, trying to stop drivers from fleeing the platform. They were churning more than ever, and this set the stage for the battle today. In Uber and Lyft's earlier years, the gig economy was pretty much the greatest thing since sliced bread. The internet allowed middleman companies to pair hourly workers with people who needed stuff done. TaskRabbit for household chores, WAG for dog walking, Instacart for buying a single Brussels sprout when you specifically told them you wanted a pound of Brussels sprout, but they still got you one because that's the world we live in. But cracks started emerging. Amir wrote in 2017 that Uber was scrambling. It was facing an exodus of drivers. Driving for Uber had just gotten harder, and the company was reducing the bonuses that they gave to drivers. The launch of Uber Pool meant that drivers had to sit and wait for more passengers. As a result of all this, driver earnings were taking a hit. Meanwhile, drivers were taking Uber and Lyft to court. They filed lawsuits claiming those companies misclassified them as contractors rather than full-time employees. The company was able to settle those cases, but it was a warning sign. Here's a mirror. So they've had these, you know, armies of labor-related lawyers working on these cases um, as they've made their way through through different courts uh, around the world. A lot of the decisions that Uber made, you know, revolved around how does this impact this labor fight? It was just this thing that always hung over the company. They they never really wanted to fully deal with it, other than hoping that legally they'd be able to fight it off or they'd be able to fight off this law. The more ominous turn for these companies came in 2018 with the ruling from the California Supreme Court. It came against an Ohio-based on-demand courier you've probably never heard of called Dynamex, but it set an important precedent for companies doing business in California. It made it harder for them to classify their workers as independent contractors. Yeah, I remember pretty clearly back then, a lot of legal experts were essentially saying, listen, the end is nigh for a lot of gig work. It also sent lawmakers in Sacramento into action to write a new law to cement that ruling. Last year, they passed Assembly Bill 5. AB 5, legislators thought would force Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and the rest to change their practices. The law said that if workers' roles were a part of the normal course of a company's business, like, say, driving for a ride-hailing company, then those independent contractors should actually be considered employees, making them eligible for benefits like health insurance and sick days. For the app companies, this was bad, bad news. California is what the kids might call an influencer state which sometimes sets a precedent for other states or even countries. Amir reported last September that Uber internally projected its labor costs could rise by around 20% if the policy was applied globally. And remember, it had recently gone public and things were not going well. Uber investors were already freaked out about their high costs. It would not only likely shrink the amount 
of rides that they give, at least for the time being, it, it it's definitely gonna gonna be a massive hit to their bottom line, which is already it's just already a problem. You know, DoorDash is gonna IPO in the fourth quarter. Um, if they if they lose Prop 22, that's a big hit to their valuation as well as to Uber's. But tech firms had a few lifelines or loopholes they could try first. They argued that they were platforms, not transportation firms, so drivers weren't actually core to their business. Basically, they just didn't comply with the law. California sued them in May, saying nope, and that set off a long and slow court battle. Meanwhile, this being California, ride-hailing and delivery firms mobilized behind, of course, what else? A ballot measure. They got Proposition 22 on the November ballot, and Uber and Lyft said, hey, we know we can't go back to normal completely. So we'll create this third classification of workers, give them benefits and a minimum wage, uh, but it's still not going to go quite as far as what AB5 called for. And if Prop 22 passes, these companies are pretty much set. It would be incredibly difficult for the California legislature to force them to reclassify workers again. We're taping this on the Thursday before Election Day, and the race looks really tight. Polling shows that it's pretty much neck and neck. Many people in the states have already voted, but Uber is trying to project confidence. Dara Khosrowshahi, Uber's CEO, has been speaking out more and more, and the money that companies are pouring into the measure means that Yes on 22 ads have proliferated on TV during sporting events and in all our Instagram feeds. Our mailboxes are crammed with flyers pro and con on Prop 22. It is insane. I can't even get out of my apartment. No, it's just a giant tornado of flyers all over the streets of the city. And Uber's main argument is drivers just don't want AB5. They want Prop 22. They want to have a chance to only drive for a handful of hours a week for extra cash. Here's Dara on a recent Uber investor call. The point of Prop 22 for us is that we do think that it, uh, there's a better way. Um, the vast majority of uh, drivers who drive either on our platform or on Lyft or uh, couriers, etc., do so on a part-time basis. Um, do not want to be employees and value the flexibility that they get using our our platform. One of these gig workers who is absolutely pro-Prop 22 is Doug Mead. Now, I talked to Doug while he was taking a break from delivering food in Palm Springs for Uber Eats and Postmates. You know, at this stage of my life, I don't want to go back to becoming an employee all over again. You know, been there, done that, don't want a postcard. Doug works a lot for these app companies. I'm talking 50 to 55 hours a week. But he says he loves the job. He used to be a sports writer, and now at 61, he has a heart condition, and he just doesn't want to put that much stress in his life. It's 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 actually soothing to me. I've always loved to drive. I used to just take long drives just to relax. He doesn't want the hassle of working a scheduled shift. He doesn't see the benefit of being a full-time employee, and he says a lot of other delivery drivers are just like him. I run into a lot of different uh, food delivery drivers uh, you know, here in Palm Springs. You know, when I'm picking up various restaurants, there might be somebody picking up from DoorDash or Grubhub. And I'll ask them if they've heard of Prop 22. And the majority of them have, and the majority of them are, the vast majority of them are, yes. You know, I understand that there are there are drivers out there, you know, especially on the rideshare side, that, that I guess they feel like they're being screwed. You know, Again, I can't speak to that. I can only speak of my own personal experience and what I do. And I have never felt that way. I have never felt that I'm being screwed by, by the companies that I'm representing. 
Now, we should be transparent here. Doug is a real Uber driver, of course, but he was also introduced to us by the Yes on 22 campaign. Uber and the rest of the companies have been relentless in enlisting drivers to their cause. They routinely remind drivers and passengers of the stakes of Prop 22 every time you open the app. That tactic, of course, is the subject of a lawsuit recently as well. Much of the organized opposition to Prop 22 includes labor groups, including one called Gig Workers Rising, but they're vastly outfunded by the tech firms. They seem a little more ragtag, but they introduced Corey to elite organizer Sherry Murphy, who used to drive for Lyft. Sherry is a 53-year-old social justice minister. She moved from Virginia to Oakland, California a little over a decade ago. She became a small business owner, cleaning houses and offices in the area, but then she decided on a career switch. She went to ministerial school, and she started driving for Lyft a few years ago. So in 2017, I found Lyft, and it seemed to be like a uh, godsend. <laughs> uh, they had advertised a job with a feature of flexibility in that allowed you to make money along with giving you a rental. And so I was in desperate need of that so-called flexibility. She did over 12,000 rides. Lyft became her primary source of income. But over the years, just the number of bonuses decreased while the demands to complete rides increased. Um, making major cuts to take-home pay was becoming increasingly difficult to sustain a living. Um, and when COVID-19 came, I specifically remember like working nine or 10 hours and only making $90 and it was before my expenses. What's not factored in our pay are gas expenses, overtime expenses, sick leave, um, workman's compensation. So she stopped driving in March because of the risks of the virus and the decline in pay. She says the only way for drivers to get better treatment is for Prop 22 to fail. And she sees the measure as a broader social justice issue. A lot of drivers are black. A lot are immigrants. Sherry, who is black, says she's dealt with customer discrimination, which hurts her driver ratings. Um, I know what it means to be experienced, you know, um, deactivated um, because someone is called you ghetto. And, and under this bill, it shortens the time for discrimination claims. It uh, provides no protections you know, should a, a passenger verbally or racially attack or, or threaten me. It, it guts workplace safety protections. If this bill passes, it creates a subclass um, of workers with no protections. The, the bottom line is, is that there's nothing flexible about cutting wages in healthcare for workers. There's nothing flexible about exploiting their workers. There's nothing flexible about putting drivers and riders at risk. And it's not only social justice ministers who want Prop 22 to fail. It's even some startup CEOs, like Frank Rieg. He runs Revel, an electric moped startup based in Brooklyn that also operates in the Bay Area. Yeah, I know Frank. I called him up this week because some of the companies that have relied on gig work in recent years have been these so-called micromobility startups. They're the companies that run shared scooter, bike, and moped fleets. But Revel is a bit of an outlier. All of its employees who drive vans to pick up the mopeds off the streets, all their repair people, they're all W-2 workers. And one thing that kind of pissed off Frank was the fact that Congress gave Uber drivers and delivery workers access to unemployment benefits when the pandemic hit. But Uber and Lyft didn't contribute to the unemployment insurance fund that paid for the program because of their labor model. He says the reliance on gig work create inequities between tech companies. 
COVID hits and then the ride handling CEOs and the food delivery apps are immediately lobbying Congress to allow all their gig workers to be eligible for the unemployment benefits. But guess what? Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, you didn't pay into that fund like Revel did in other companies. And Frank says he employed all of his workers because he just doesn't think companies are going to have the same flexibility with gig work going forward. Cities like New York and Seattle have recently set high minimum wages for Uber and Lyft drivers, even after the company said it would likely hike prices on the riders because of it. And Massachusetts is another state that has sued ride-handling companies over employee classification recently. The future is not the gig economy as badly as these companies want it to be. It just is not. Look at where the world is going. Like, the, even if they win this California thing, the world is going to leave them behind, um, even if they refuse to change. For consumers, of course, the genie probably isn't going back into the bottle either. Uber and Lyft rides might just cost more. And so might that ketogenic-friendly burger that Corey likes to get delivered, or the pint of ice cream from Salt and Straw. But these services aren't going away, at least in big cities. But if Prop 22 fails, it'll be perhaps the biggest turning point for the gig economy. You might want to start writing its obituary. It'll have a huge impact. But if Prop 22 is victorious, it'll be the tech industry's biggest political victory ever. Until the next battle begins, of course. Thanks so much for listening. This episode was written and reported by me, Tom Dotan, and Corey Weinberg, and produced by Ariella Markowitz. Thanks so much. See you back here next week.